Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 12. It's uh, always a joy to be able to praise the Lord. I want to thank all of our teams that are serving this morning. I thank our children's ministry teams that are loving on all of our kids today. Amen. We have a tremendous team. Somebody say amen, Pastor. Amen. Well, don't be quiet in this early service. Amen. The Lord began to speak to me a continuation of the message that I shared with you a couple Sundays ago on sitting in your sacrifice. And if the Lord will allow me today, I want to break bread with you out of the second part of this message. The last time I had the privilege to share with you on this thought, uh, we took a close look at Mary. In Luke, the writer does not give us the name of the woman who opened up an alabaster box and poured it upon the feet of Jesus, but John does. And John said that it was Mary, the sister of Lazarus, that had opened up this alabaster box and had poured it upon the feet of Jesus. And she literally poured a year's worth of wages upon him. That drew opposition. Sometimes your sacrifice will cause other people to think that you are going a little too far. And even members of your family might would say, you don't have to do all that. You don't have to pray as much. You don't have to fast as much. You don't have to go to church so much. I'll take that amen out there. You don't have to do all that. Don't you know that we are now in the year of 2023 and you can just kind of coast your way in, come to service late, leave early. Don't connect to nobody. Now, that's not you. Let's just talk about that 11 o'clock crowd that's coming in after you. Y'all have your coffee this morning. You up. Amen. But there'll be some people in your life that'll say you do too much. Now, you could take that either way because some people literally do too much. But when it comes to the things of God and eternal things and spiritual matters, can you really do too much? Perhaps if we see ourselves at the Bema seat or judgment seat of Christ, not the great white throne judgment, but the judgment seat of Christ that every Christian will be judged at, every believer. I, I think that at some point in our life, we would probably say, even at that moment, I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have done more. So don't you let anybody talk you out of doing what you do for God. Don't let anybody hate on you or discourage you or make you feel like that you're an odd Christian. Amen. Uh, God called us to do extravagant things for him. And Mary poured a year's worth of wages up on the feet of Jesus to anoint his body pre-burial because that's what her heart was to do. Now, I'm not going to ask you to voice this out, but in your mind... I want you to recall the amount you make a year, whether it's salary and benefits or salary only. How many have that in your mind? Kids that are here today be like, I make $1.50 a week. I don't know how much is that add up. But whatever it is that you make, 
keep that in mind because for Mary to open this alabaster box of spikenard or nard as the scripture says and to pour it up on the feet of Jesus, it was very costly to anoint his body for burial. Now, it is what we would call a sacrifice. And I want you to look at the word sacrifice, and I've gave you a little bit of a definition of sacrifice. Sacrifice is there's a surrender of something for the sake of something else. That when you and I make a sacrifice, we are surrendering something of value, surrendering us something of worth for the sake of something else or the sake of someone else. How many in this room are thankful for the sacrifice other people have made for you? That it wasn't just a light thing when people raised you in faith. It wasn't just a light thing when they put clothes on your back. You really don't understand how good you had it until you get out on your own and have bills to pay yourself and mortgage and rent come due. You really don't understand all of that until you have now the person who is bearing the burden of that. And you don't, when you live at home and you, they buy all your clothes and they buy your $10,000 cell phone and, and they take care of everything for you, you, do, you don't really uh, squirm that much. But when you have to pay for it yourself, you understand that there is a price to everything. Even free stuff costs somebody something. Are you here? And so a sacrifice is when I surrender something for the sake of something else. And there's a scripture that always has captured my heart when it comes to serving the Lord with my entirety. And when I say entirety, I would say my body, my soul, and my spirit, the, the, the entire part of who I am. And that is Romans chapter 12 and verse one. And the Bible said through Paul's writing here, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then it described it that it would be holy, acceptable unto God, and that it would be your reasonable service. In other words, you don't get any extra points for doing it. You don't scratch God's back and then God scratch your back. He said, it's your reasonable service. So he said, present your body a living sacrifice. Ooh, that's a hard word. The sacrifice presented unto God. It is a holy, it is acceptable unto God, and it is your live, it is your reasonable service. So I begin to think this scripture has always been embedded in my heart. Even as a young man, when I used to hear them preach and teach on this verse, it would always draw me in to say, I got to do more for God. I want to present myself unto the Lord to be used of him. I understand now in grace dispensation and understand that God is not really not really uh, uh, giving me stars for my service. God's not uh, giving me stickers on my page uh, when I turn my assignments in, although that motivates us in the flesh. In the spirit, I've learned that the lower I go, the higher I go. The more I serve, the more that God is blessed. And, and so I'm not doing it to get something from God. I'm doing it out of devotion to the Lord because I recognize how good he's been. Has he been good to anybody? I recognize that he's been a good God, that he's been a faithful father. And so Paul said, I, I want you to present yourself by the mercy of God 
present your body a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, but while you're yet living and alive, present yourself. So how do you present your body? A living sacrifice, a, a, a living with all your might unto the Lord. Uh, I'm going to run this race that I may obtain a prize. I'm going to not beat the air as one who just, uh, just punches at something aimless, but every time I draw my fist back or pull the arrow back, I want to hit my intended target. I am a living sacrifice. While I'm living, I'm doing everything I can with all my might. He said, I want it to be holy. That means it's consecrated unto the Lord. Oh, we could preach and talk about consecration. Grew up in the old church and the old church said that we had to consecrate ourselves unto the Lord, that we had to set ourselves apart from the world. We had to look different. We had to talk different. We had to act different. Anybody going to help me here? We had to, we had, there was a consecration and, and back in the day before we became so grown, back in the day before we had maybe just a little more inspiration and knowledge and revelation from the Lord sometimes we thought well the more rules we make up the more that God will bless us the more holy I look the, the God will bless us and so I was raised in the holiness church and women couldn't cut their hair and women couldn't wear makeup and women couldn't do that and you know, it all fell on the women I know it ain't nobody amen me here we couldn't do this we couldn't do that men had to wear white shirts and and we went to church and, 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 we, and we dressed in a suit and a tie and, and all of those things. And, and, then, and then when we lived in the world, uh, I went to school, I wasn't allowed to wear gym shorts. And it was, I was the only kid in, this, in the whole school that had to wear sweatpants. And, and I didn't understand why. Uh, I didn't know my mom and daddy. I thought, there ain't nobody gonna lust after my kneecaps. My goodness, my knees don't even look that good. But they were teaching us to be consecrated unto the Lord. I understand now that sometimes that we have gone a little far, but I'm not going to complain about my upbringing because I'm where I am today. Because people invested in me, come on somebody, and told me how to live a holy life, consecrated unto the Lord. And, and holiness is not something you do. Holiness is what you are. He said, be holy. He didn't say do holy. He said, be holy. And then Paul would go on to say acceptable unto God. In, a, in other words, it's the way God said to do it. I, I have to do it the way he said do it, not the way that the Facebook prophet told me to do it or the YouTube prophet. I have to do it the way that God said to do it. And he said being holy, being consecrated, being a living example, being a, acceptable unto God, all of those things are your reasonable service. It's not anything beyond your ability to do. It is your reasonable service. And so I want you to get a vivid picture of what it looked like when you present your body a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Now I shared with you a couple weeks ago that you are now sitting in your sacrifice, that your children today are sitting in the sacrifice you made as a parent. Now, if I could give you a mental description I want to show you on this Sunday morning what it looked like in the Old Testament to offer a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, there was what is called the tabernacle. This is air before that they would build the temple. The tabernacle is where God came and tabernacled with his people. And they would build their camps around the tabernacle. 
Everything they did in their life revolved around the church. Soccer revolved around the church. Jesus is the center. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. I, I feel like I need to stay right there for a minute because sometimes we get a little sidetracked and forget that he comes down in the center of our life and everything and every decision that I make revolves around him. My vacation revolves around him. Woo, it's quiet in here. Fall break revolves around him. It's, it's really quiet in here. The tabernacle housed the worship. It housed the priesthood. And it also housed the sacrifices. So I'm going to teach a little bit this morning and maybe preach too. But I want you to get a vivid picture of this because the tabernacle wasn't an end in and of itself. It was all that surrounded the tabernacle that gives us the full picture. And so the Lord called his children to the tabernacle so that they could approach him, to be near to him, to offer up sacrifices to him, and to worship him. Now, I know we're in the New Testament age, and I know that we're in a grace dispensation, but so much principle is in this. It's as we study how God was worshiped in the tabernacle that we get an idea of how that you and I can have intimacy with him today. It is a pattern. It is a principle of how God would teach us. Somebody say, teach me, Lord. I want to give you the, the, the Hebrew word for worship. And the Hebrew word for worship is shakah. And it is actually an action verb. It's something that we do. Worship is about making the Lord Jesus Christ the center rather than making ourselves the center. And we live in a self-centered world where we are busy making selfies of ourselves all the time, 24-7, with a new updated picture of ourselves. But I want you to understand, worship is when I make him the center and not me the center of my life. And we really have to understand that the culture in which we live really influences the way that we approach God, the culture we live. We live in a culture today that is very selfish. We live in a culture today that is very man-centered. The culture that we live in today, even in Christianity, in many circles has made man the center rather than God the center. Can I get an amen out there? But when you begin to study the tabernacle, you find out that the Israelites, they approached the Lord. It was much different than the way that we approach the Lord even on today. In the tabernacle, the Israelites approached God, write this down very reverently. There was a reverential fear of God when we come into his presence with reverence. And one of the meanings of the word worship, it literally means that you to uh, prostrate yourself, that you fall down, prostrate 
prostrate before the God, before the Lord, and you have humbled yourself as low as you can go in your time of worship. And so when the Israelites came into the tabernacle, they weren't coming into the tabernacle to first receive something. They were coming into the tabernacle to first be blessed, to bless God, to bless him, and to bless all that he has done. They came to the tabernacle not to receive, but rather that they may bless the Lord, that they may worship the Lord. Oh, when David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, and forget not his benefits. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us bless his name together. Is there anybody that understands when you come into the presence of God, it is not about you being blessed. It's not about them singing your favorite song or quoting your favorite verse. You're already saved. It is about coming into his presence and magnifying him and say, God, I came here this morning that I may exalt you. I came that I may lift you up. The one who is worthy of all prayer. It's not man-centered it's God-centered and when they came to the tabernacle they praised God how different it is than the approach that we have today when we come to church not first to worship God but we come to receive people will post I went to church to be fed mm. are you sure about that my brother don't let your immaturity speak for you. You didn't come to be fed. We teach you how to self-feed. You do that throughout the week, my God. You do that at home. You don't come to be fed. You don't come to say, I come so that my children can have an amazing experience in be kids ministry all that will probably happen but you got to teach your kids to approach God to bless him not to receive well they're not doing this for my baby and they're not doing this and they didn't pass out a free cookie on Wednesday night so you know I don't know if I'll be back for midweek come on now we didn't come to receive something we came to bless the Lord and bless him oh come on church we came to bless the Lord you know sometimes with this attitude that we've come to receive we hope that there's going to be a good sermon we hope that it's going to be stimulating for us to pull us up out of the mully grubs and the milk and the mire and the depression and the angst of our soul but let me say this do we come to church with that attitude rather than going with the attitude that says foremost God I'm coming to worship you I'm coming to bless you if I don't feel nothing I'm still going to praise you if I don't feel it I'm still going to bless you I didn't come to bless myself I came to bless you. Have we replaced him as being the center and made ourselves the center? True worship and the pattern for true worship and the principles of true worship are revealed in the tabernacle. It is revealed in the priesthood. It is revealed in the sacrifices and they verily clearly teach us that Jesus is the center of all we do. He is. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Now, do you think that the priests came to the tabernacle and they said to one another, I don't like that priest. I don't like that preacher. He's not my cup of tea. Now, I can receive from so-and-so. Hmm. <laughs> 
and, And when they lead worship, if they have this one person lead, I can receive from them. I turn my whole, my whole worship gets turned on when they lead. Boy, you a loud bunch this morning. I don't think the priest came together and said, I don't like this one and I don't like that one. I I don't think that they were doing all that. I I think they were humble. I think when the priest came in to serve that they were prostrated before the Lord, before his presence, they went to present God a sacrifice, not to take a blessing. And the word sacrifice, and I want them to pop this up here, comes from the Hebrew word korban, And it means that if you come close to God, God will come close to you. Are you here? And so when the Lord was showing the Israelites the way to be close to him was come to me with the sacrifice. God was teaching him in that tabernacle in their midst, I'm the center, come to me with a sacrifice and is presentable to me, holy unto me, and I want to come near to you. So it wasn't even about giving something up. It was just about coming near to him. I just want to be near to him. It's not what I have to give up. It's not what I have to offer. It's not the price tag associated with it. The whole reason I'm coming is so that I can be near to him. And sometimes when we think about making a sacrifice, all we think about is giving something up without recognizing the principle of operating in sacrifice, it's what draws us near to him. When I come near to him with sacrifice, it's not the sacrifice itself that he's looking at, it's my desire to be near to him, to want to be close to him. So for example, we think in the New Testament about the woman that washed the feet of Jesus at his, uh, with her tears and her perfume, uh, that costly bottle of alabaster and spikener that she, we just think she just loved him so much and and how that act of worship Jesus said would be remembered and would be read about her for ages to come and I shared with you two weeks ago that woman probably never realized that in October of 2023 we'd still be talking about her we'd still be talking about the sacrifice that she made she had no idea that that for ages to come people would still be talking about the way she approached the Lord she wasn't coming to the Lord to receive something from him. She wasn't a a diesel sniffer. She wasn't a person that hung around the band entrance door. She wasn't a person that was all the time trying to touch something. She was coming not to receive something from him. She was coming to worship him. She was coming to give something to him and to thank him for all that he had done. If he raised your family member from the grave, how many know you'd be praising a little louder? If he raised your family member from the grave, how you know you'd be a little more dedicated and a little more committed if God pulled you up with a mighty miracle and performed one but what if he doesn't will you still worship him what if he doesn't will you still come to him and make him the center of your life I think we have to get realigned we take our car in to get realigned we have to be realigned where we recognize what worship is That worship is about making God the center rather than making you and I the centered. We need to be delivered from man-made gospel. Remember, 
Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 5, many will come in my name on Facebook. Oh, did he say, oh, wait a minute, hold on. Many will come in my name and will mislead many. And if you listen to the preaching today, it's all about what God's gonna do for you. Uh, it's really seldom about what you're going to do for him. It's what God's gonna do for you. And so we prophesy and say, God's about to. God's about to. Well, rather than say God's about to, shouldn't we be saying God is doing? <laughs> if you listen to the preaching today, it's how God can make you wealthy. How God can make you great. Oh my. How God can make and help you to achieve the great American dream. Mm. But where's the reverence for a holy God? Where's the reverence in coming and falling prostrate before him, making him the center and worshiping him. Where is the reverence of a holy God that I get in his presence and I have to humble myself because he's so good and he's so great and he's so powerful and he's so loving. And not first, uh, not what God can do for me. It's not what he can do for me, but because of how great he is, but because he's the center of everything, I, I know that I just want to praise him and, and I just want to thank him. I, I know that in myself, I can't make it. Oh, even with all my upbringing and my churchosity, and my religion and everything I was exposed to none of that can make me holy none of that can keep me in his presence oh God give us a church and give us a people who will make you center of everything that when we praise the Lord we will praise him from the beauty of our heart David said let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord I wish somebody take 15 seconds and give God some praise in this if he brought you out you ought to praise him for bringing you in if he lifted you out you ought to praise him for taking you up somebody praise him not because of who you are but because of who he is we've had our fill with man-made gospel preachers who walk around with 20 armor bearers they ain't but 35 people in their church Let's talk about the priesthood. Everybody say priesthood. I want to look at the priesthood that operated inside the location, the tabernacle. First, you've got to understand the role of the priesthood. Those who function in this role of priesthood, it has actually changed over the years. At one time in the Bible, it was the firstborn in every Israelite household. They served as the priest of the Lord for their family. And then it was transferred to the Levitical priesthood after the tribe of Levi. But today in the New Testament grace, the priesthood is operating in the life of every child of God who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Somebody ought to say, hey, I'm redeemed. 
You are a priest. You are a priest. You are a priest. Get that again. You are a priest. And the word of God tells us who we are. I want to help somebody's identity this morning. For the Bible said in Revelation 20 and verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Who? Those who have part in the first resurrection. Oh my God. We getting close. Look at the Middle East. We getting close church. He said of such the second death hath no power. And because of your belief in Christ and your relationship in Jesus, not your religion to a church, whoo, but your relationship to Jesus, the, he said, you shall be and are a priest of God and Christ. So the identity that the father has given us is that of a priest among all other things my god let me preach here are we are also called sons hallelujah and by the way when the lord calls us sons it here's a side note it's not about gender when god calls us sons sometimes women have a hard time thinking well what do you mean uh, uh that if if i'm a woman how are you gonna call me a son if i'm a woman Yet the Bible said in John chapter 1 and verse 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God or the sons of God. But when the Lord calls us sons, it's not about gender. It's not about a woman that suddenly becomes masculine in her identity. Oh, can I just preach here a little while? But write this down, sonship uh, implies inheritance, hallelujah. And it implies identity that you are born of the Father. Oh, help me, Jesus. Sonship means I'm granting you inheritance and letting you know who you are in identity. You are a son of God. The identity that Jesus has upon us is that we carry his name everywhere we go. So when the Lord calls us his sons it's not about gender it's about inheritance it's about it's about identity oh when you know who your daddy is can I get an amen from somebody I, I can stand flat-footed I can look the devil in the eye and say not today devil I know whom I have believed in and persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day I know who Jesus is hey I know who he is and when the Lord calls us men the bride of Messiah or the bride of Christ he's not talking to the men folk telling you now that you're a bride I want you to act more feminine oh I gotta slip this in here while I'm here when the Lord calls us the bride of Messiah or the Lord is speaking here it's not gender but he's talking to us about intimacy he's talking to us about relationship and so the scripture calls us the bride of Christ we are also known as the sons of God. The scripture also calls us something else. Write this down. We are kingdoms of priests. We are the kingdom priests that the Lord has purchased us with his own blood, beloved.
prophet to be a kingdom priest for him as a son of God, as the bride of Christ. I am a kingdom priest. Look at your neighbor and say, I got my robe on. I'm a kingdom priest. So if you want to know who you are, ask the scripture. What are they saying about who you are? If he wants us to know, we need to go to him, the one that created us, who was not confused in any of his creation, to find out who we are. And the Lord would say, I have saved you to be a priest. And the Lord would say, I have saved you to be a priest. Somebody say, I am a priest. Say, I am a priest. I am a priest of the most high God. Hey, say, I'm a priest of the most high God. That's who you are. And, and what is a priest? Well, I want to give you a little more definition if I can, because we find that the priesthood of the Lord in the role of the priesthood, the priesthood did three things. And I want you to jot these down as we go. The priesthood do, did three things. The first privilege and blessing and right of one that's called to be a priest, and that's you and that's me, is that you and I have been granted the privilege and the right, listen, to draw near to God. So as a priest, I draw near to God. What does a priest do? I draw near to God. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except the Father draws him. Am I, am I preaching Bible? He said, no one comes except to be drawn of the Father. So you as a priest, as a chosen child of God, that's been given the inheritance and the identity of a priest through Jesus, are to draw near to the divine presence of God, to draw near to himself, to come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy in the time of need. You have been called by God as a priest in the New Testament, as a kingdom priest, to draw near to him. The second role of the priest is to offer a sacrifice uh, of him, to him. And all throughout the Bible, the Bible teaches us that the priesthood were called to present a sacrifice unto the Lord. Now I'm going to give you five of them if you allow me. There are several types of sacrifices. The priest in that day would not only draw near to God, but he would also offer up a sacrifice. One of the sacrifices would be the burnt offering. The burnt offering, people offered it as a way to atone for their wrongdoings, to show appreciation to the Lord because they saw it as a way to appease God who they feared the wrath of God. There was such a reverential fear that we would offer to God a burnt offering. So the priest would offer up a burnt offering. Then there would be the meal offering. It was not only a gift to God, but it was a sense of personal property of the offer. In other words, I'm going to provide to God the fruit of my labor. So if you were, let's put it in today's terms, if you were living in the Old Testament and you were canning green beans and you got a hundred cans of green beans done, you would give God 10 mason jars of green beans.
green beans as his tithe unto the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, we're not talking about green beans. I'm talking to you about the fruit of my labor. I would offer to God a meal offering. This is something that I came up with. This is something that I'm presenting unto the Lord. Thirdly, it would be the peace offering. In the peace offering, God was providing what we need, a way to thank him for his goodness and his physical sustenance, that there is peace between God and I. There is a peace that surpasses understanding to you and I. As a New Testament priest in here, I can go to bed with peace. I can wake up with peace. I can know the Lord in my dreams with peace. Oh, hallelujah. He gives me a peace that surpasses my thinking, that surpasses my understanding. I don't have to live in nightmares on Elm Street. Oh, they said Friday the 13th just came and, and Jason was stalking people. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Ain't no Jason stalking me. I don't live by flesh, blood, by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I don't live by the zodiac. It will not describe my personality. I am led by the Holy Ghost. I was born and created by him. I don't read the horoscope either because my feet are shod with Jesus' direction in all that I do. I wish somebody would say amen in this Pentecostal church. If you know that you know that you know the Spirit leads me and he leads me into peace. And then there's the sin offering. The sin offering was made for sins committed that were in ignorance or unintentional sins. And then there's the trespass offering, primarily about making reparations for violating God's holy word or for violating and doing harm to your brother or sister, that you would make reparations. And I'd like to just go ahead and tack the carpet down while I'm here. If you've done somebody wrong, and you know you've done them wrong, before God will hear your prayer, the Bible said, bring your gift to the altar. Nobody want to help me here. Because they say, well, you know, I talked to God and he said, we're good. That may be all well and good. But the Bible said, you to go to your brother. You to go to your sister and make that thing right. Look over somebody and say, he's talking to you now. You got to make it right. Yeah, I'm glad you got it right with you and God. But you got to make it right with somebody. Ooh, that was tight. It's tight in here. And so the priests were constantly administering on the daily these five offerings in the tabernacle. We are a priest. We have been called to intimacy with him. We have been called to draw near to him. We have been called to offer him a sacrifice. <laughs> Remember, the tabernacle is the pattern of intimacy. And he said, this is what you do. And so we find as the priests offered the Lord's sacrifices in the tabernacle, as Abraham offered sacrifices, as Isaac offered sacrifices, as Jacob offered sacrifices, as David offered sacrifices, as Solomon offered sacrifice, the Lord always responded to those sacrifices. It's not about, hear me, it's not about just raising our hands in a church service and saying we are sacrificing unto the Lord because a sacrifice is something that is costly. David said, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. It will cost you 
in your walk with God to offer him of something of value and worth, mainly you. I will offer him my career. I will offer him my educational pursuit. I will offer him my marriage relationship. I will offer him my Lamborghini. You amen to stuff you don't even have, but you know what I'm talking about. I will offer him something of value. I remember early on when God was dealing with Beverly and I, and we were in the ministry and traveling around preaching as state youth directors, and, and things were tight, and we were as poor as Job's turkey. And I remember thinking, how are we going to make bills? And, and, and people around the state would give us groceries and canned goods and, and, and all of that. And it was wonderful because God sustained us and, and would slip a $20 bill in our hands so we could get gasoline. We would travel and preach and we weren't doing it for the money. We were preaching to win souls and to make an impact in the lives of young people in that time. And I remember I had just got these brand new suits at the cheap the cheap suit store. Come on. The cheap suit store. I had just got these brand new suits, preaching suits, and I was so excited that I had them. And there was a young man in our church that needed a suit for some event that he was having in his life. And we were at that time about the same size. We not today, but we were about the same size. <laughs> Anyhow, I remember him. I said, come on over. I got, I got a suit for you. I, I'm going to help you out. And so in my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to give him the the suit I don't wear no more. I'm going to give him the suit that's got a, a spaghetti stain on it. I'm going to give him a suit that's got a, a pick in it. Oh, nobody help me here. A little pick that, you know, if you just stand the right way, nobody will see it. And I said, come on in here. And, and, and as I went in to reach for the old nasty suit, the suit that really wasn't appealing to me since I got these new, uh, you know, updated suits now and was real trendified, I thought, well, I'm going to give him this one. And the Holy Ghost said, no, give him your best one. And I said, like, what? <laughs> Are you sure? And I know that God was speaking because there were some things that Beverly and I were praying about that we were asking God to do in our home and in our life and in our ministry. And God said, no, no, I want you to give him that which costs you something. I want you to give him something of value, give him something of worth. And when the Holy Ghost said that to me, I knew I was at a pivotal moment in my life. I knew it was a make or break moment in my life. God wasn't, he wasn't trying to bless me. He was trying to test me. He wanted to see would I obey him when it didn't make no sense. Can I preach to somebody? You know what I did at that moment? I said, yes, Lord. And not only did I reach for the new suit, I gave him all the new suits that I had and said I hope they fit you and send him on his way and do you know God has a way of taking care of his people if you will be obedient unto the Lord David said I will not offer anything to God that don't cost me anything don't you come into church and act like you doing God a favor he said present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto the Lord when we really offer the Lord a sacrifice sacrifice because of who he is because of how great he is because he is worthy of nothing less in our life when we give him that kind of sacrifice he will draw near to us don't get it twisted sister 
see the pattern. He said the priest is to draw near to God in the tabernacle and then the priest is to offer a sacrifice that cost him something. So when I offer a sacrifice to the Lord, just like the woman Mary who poured out the spikenard of perfume that was worth a year's worth of wages, it wasn't that she lost something. It was that she gained everything. It's the key to your access. It's what opens the door to everything. Remember the word sacrifice means Corbin. It means draw close to him and he will draw close to you. So God uses those sacrifices unto him to bring us close to himself and God responds to our sacrifice. Smile down your road and say God responds to our sacrifice. I'm going to try to wrap it up, but I'm going to, I got to go to the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 9. And I'm going to break this down as we wrap it up. Look at Leviticus 9. Now it came about on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, take for yourself a calf, a bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Now I want you to first see that it's in verse one and two, the mentioning of the sin offering and the mentioning of the burnt offering that was offered up unto the God. Now jump with me to verse 16. And he brought the burnt offering and offered it according to the manner. In other words, the way that God said to offer it. And then in verse 17, and he brought the meat offering and took a handful thereof and burnt it up on the altar beside the burnt sacrifice of the morning. Now go to verse 22. And Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them and, ca and came down from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Now, that is the role of the priest. The third role is, first of all, is to draw near to God. The second role is to make a sacrifice unto God. And the third role of a priest is to bless the Lord. <laughs> Somebody say, bless the Lord. So the first role of the priest is to draw near to God. That's you and I. We draw near to the Lord. Secondly, we offer up a sacrifice that is pleasing to him. And thirdly, we, we bless or minister to the people on behalf of the Lord. We bless the Lord by ministering to his people. What happened? We bless the Lord by ministering to his people. We bless the Lord by ministering to his people. Oh, come on, somebody. The first role we draw near, the second is to offer a sacrifice. The third is to bless the Lord by ministering to his people. And yet, that indeed is our role as a believer and a priest in God today. To draw near to him, to offer a sacrifice of our life to him completely, not withholding anything, withholding nothing. 
And thirdly, to be used of him to minister to other people as we bless the name of the Lord. And before I close today, I need to address this man-made, self-focused gospel that is rampant on today. You and I are not the center of the gospel. Jesus is. Come on, somebody. You and I are not the center of the gospel. Jesus is. We've made our existence in the United States of America all about achieving the American dream. That is what we set out to do. We want a house. We want a picket fence. We want a dog and a cat. We want a tree house for the kids, a fort. We want to have a, 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 at least two good running paid for vehicles in our, in our driveway, in our three car, four car garage because we got to have room for our camper and our boat too. Preach with me somebody because it's part of the American dream. But I come to tell you that God hasn't called you or destined you just to achieve the American dream. Hallelujah. He has first called you to be a son. He has called you to be a priest for the building of the kingdom. And that's why we are here. The reason we serve, the reason we give is not so we can get something from God so that we can say we achieved and we arrived at the American dream and then we can show off all of our wealth to folks how good it is if you gain this whole world but you lose your own soul because you are self-focused and self-absorbed and here's another picture of me and here's another picture of my stuff oh my god he didn't call me to be achieve the dream of america he called me to be a son of god leviticus 9 verse 22 and 23 and Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them and came down from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses, verse 23, and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out. <laughs> they went in and they came out and blessed the people. There's something to be said about going in and coming out your blessing is released when you come out <laughs> Woo, I went in and got what I needed so I could bless somebody else I didn't come here just to get my praise on and take a picture of me and my four and say we made it we being fed oh that's wonderful too but you understand I didn't come here just so that I can get a praise tickle and I come here so I can get my own personal prophetic prophecy I come here so I can have somebody pour a gallon of oil on my head and speak good things about my wealth and my house and my husband and my wife oh come on I didn't come here for all that I went in so I could come out I went in so I could come out and bless the people of God that he's entrusted me and the Bible said that when they came out and blessed the people that the glory of the Lord began to fall around all the people why because they became the sacrifice and they used themselves to bless the people of God and the glory came I've got to ask somebody is the glory following you everywhere you go when you come in and when you go out is glory following you miracle signs and wonders are people being healed in the glory of God somebody say the glory, glory. 
the glory, glory appeared unto all the people. Stand if you will. Look at verse 24. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat. <laughs> Ain't got time to preach on that. Ain't got the time to preach on the fat. He said, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. Do you see the pattern here? The tabernacle is the pattern for walking with God. The, the tabernacle is the pattern to having intimacy with Him. Remember that. That it was inside the tabernacle that the priests would offer up the sacrifices. And in the offering of the sacrifices, God responded and He would draw near to them and glory would come to all the people and the fire of heaven, hallelujah, would consume the sacrifices. And I want to ask you to close your eyes for a moment and I want to ask you, what are you bringing to God today? And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I did well and good enough just to get here. Pastor, my mind was so vexed and so heavy, I don't even remember driving here. I don't know, I just pulled up and I'm here. But I've come to ask you today, what did you bring him? What did you bring him of yourself? That you would be like Paul's writing, I present to you, Lord, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. It is my reasonable service. God, I came to offer something to you. And I know that in the offering of something to you, that you become my good treasure, that you become the pleasure of my soul. I'm asking you, Lord, use me to manifest your glory in the fire of heaven everywhere I go. That when I walk into my place of employment this week, I will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When I walk into my place of work or my school, I will see people who are in need of you and the very presence of God that is in me. As I went into the tent and came out of the tent, that the glory of God would be manifested to the people around me. And this is what I hunger for, for Bethel Family Worship Center. Not that we come with a me first, bless me with a song, bless me with a word, bless me with a treat, bless me with children's ministry, bless me with this, that, but that, oh, we would bless Him. That 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 we would bless the Lord as we would present ourselves to the Lord and as you are in a moment of prayer right here, heads are bowed and please just be in a moment with God. If you're here today and God is speaking to you about your eternal soul, about salvation, about making Him Lord of your life, about putting Him first. When no one's looking around, I want you to just slip your hand high enough for me to see you. I want to know who am I preaching to today? Who am I praying for? Thank you. I see hands. Thank you. I see hands all across the building. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you for your honesty. I would ask again for anyone here that would say today and going forward, I recognize the pattern of intimacy with the Lord. And I truly desire to present to God a sacrifice so that glory and fire will come in my family, in my home. If that's you, just slip your hands up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I want all that you have for me, God. 
I want all that you have for me. And today I will present myself a living sacrifice, holy unto the Lord. And it is my reasonable service as a priest. I'm sitting in my sacrifice today. Today, my children will sit in the sacrifice. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill this place. Sanctify every heart in this house. Draw me near to you. Make you the center of my life. If you're operating the camera systems or the media team or the microphones or the musicians or whoever's in serving today in the house, make him number one right now. Make him number one. Make him number one in Jesus' name. I seek you, Lord. Now, God, let fire and glory fall upon what I'm doing unto you. Hallelujah. In this moment, let fire and glory come. Our prayer team is going to move in place, and I'm going to ask anyone that's in this house who is asking God for a miracle, who is believing God for something that is beyond your own ability to produce. You need God to intervene in your life in a supernatural way. I felt this strong this morning. You need God to move on your behalf and you're not coming to Him, asking Him. You're coming to Him, presenting yourself. But in the process of that, you are also being transparent and real to say, I have a need in my life. And I'm asking, I'm asking our prayer teams to come and be with us in prayer because God wants to anoint and touch each and every one that are here today. God, we praise you and we thank you. As they begin to sing this song of worship, if you need anything from the Lord on today, I want you to come and present yourself and say, God, I need a touch of you. Families, friends, whatever it is you're asking of the Lord, He knows right where we are as they sing. Thank you, Jesus. We make room for you to move. We make room for you Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 